0: welcome to the westminster chapel podcast for more information and to support our mission to london and beyond please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk well good morning westminster chapel and i'm so excited to be bringing this talk to you today on pentecost sunday and it's a great privilege to be able to do that my life changed when I encountered Jesus Christ the 22nd of April 1990 I can remember standing on the steps of Emerson Park Evangelical Chapel on the Ardley Green Road in Hornchurch and looking at a dying tree on the other side of the road actually it was a dying shrub and weeping because I saw leaves on trees I saw the colour green for the first time and my mate standing next to me and saying, what are you crying for? I was like, they're green. The leaves are green. A veil had come off my eyes. It was like stepping out of a black and white picture into a full HD, 4K, whatever it is, color picture. And that night, driving home, Looking at people, and instead of seeing targets, thought, wow, these are God's kids, and they don't even know. And what was happening to me was this process of being born again and regenerated and changed from the inside out. When you give your life to Christ, you are truly. Born again. But he also puts his spirit in you. He baptizes you in his spirit and gives you a new heart, a new passion, new eyes that you see the world with. And various other things happen too. And I want to explore some key ones with you today that I feel after prayer are key for you as a church i want to read this to you from uh acts uh, chapter one because there's some key truths in here just to unpack in my former book theophilus i wrote about all that jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized in the holy spirit then they gathered around him and asked him lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to israel he said to him, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father was set by his own authority but you will Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that is the key thing you will receive gift that my Father's promised, and you will receive power. Now, there's a fascinating set of verses while we're just dwelling on this little moment here, when when Jesus goes into the desert, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing, he was hungry, blah, blah, blah. When he, when he was tempted by the devil, and he came out of the desert, he says this, Jesus returned to Galilee, in the power of the spirit so he he goes into the desert full of the spirit but he comes out of the desert in the power of the spirit the dunamis of the spirit the miracle working power of god and what the bible is absolutely clear about in acts chapter one is that power will be given to the disciples so that they can be witnesses and that power too was given to us the baptism of the holy spirit now i'm not going to go into the mechanics of this today i'm going to talk about what it means when we are baptized and full of god's holy spirit acts chapter two when the day of pentecost came this this is now it's being fulfilled what we read in acts chapter one they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now, there'll be some people listening to this pray praying in tongues. i tell you an absolutely remarkable thing that happened to me once with witnesses. I, I, was, I was praying in, in India after I've been preaching the gospel. I've been to India many times, a beautiful country, love it. It was on about my 12th visit, I think. And I was staying in a compound with my friends, Prem and Nalima, and we have been ministering. And when you offer prayer for everyone in India, everyone comes forward. (laughs) You think, oh, wow, I must be so anointed. But it's not that. It's because they don't have chemists and GPs in the same way that we do. If you're living in slum communities, you're in a lot of trouble if you get ill. So people come forward for prayer. Anyway, I was tired. we have been praying for a lot of people. I had a, an ice cold uh, bottle of Thumbs Up waiting for me, which is uh, Indian Coca-Cola, basically slightly spicy. It's really nice, full of things that shouldn't be full of, like loads of sugar, but I love it. And I really wanted to drink this drink and there's one guy left to pray for. and I didn't even bother asking the interpreter what to pray for, I thought I'd just pray in tongues. So I was just praying in tongues, laying hands on this guy, and uh, got driven home by Prem and Nalima and they were quiet and then we we went back as was our tradition late and grabbed some uh, curry some rice cold drinks they sit on the table and they weren't speaking to me so i said hey Prem and is is everything okay and they said uh, brother all these years we've known you. You didn't tell us you speak Hindi. I said, uh, "I don't." He said, "My brother, when you prayed for that man, you you spoke beautiful classical Hindi." I said, "What's classical Hindi?" They said, "Like your BBC English." I said, "Prem Nalima, I don't speak." Hindi, and they said, Look, it's embarrassing. We've spoken in Hindi around you, thinking you don't understand what we were saying when we were at home, but you've understood the whole time. I don't speak Hindi, I was praying in tongues, and it went quiet again around the table as we suddenly realized what had happened. Because they know I'm not a liar, I'd spoken in tongues, but that man, Premonalima had heard their own language. That's never happened to me again. And to me, it sounded like I was praying in tongues. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, there is power. And this thing that happened in Pentecost, I've seen it. But it's power to be witnesses That's such a key and critical part of being a follower of jesus our standing orders are to go we're we're to worship him and make him known matthew 28 go into all the world we can't do that unless we are strengthened and empowered by god's spirit let me tell you about my mate rex this only happened the other day rex rex has lived down his road for many many years he's a retired teacher in my church I I live in Derbyshire, um, near the Peak District. Rex is a Derbyshire guy, a beautiful bloke. On Good Friday, he put notes through the doors of the houses on his street. And they said, on Easter Sunday... Come to your front gates, come to your driveways, and I'm going to read to you an account of the resurrection as seen in the Bible. And then he, he had a word with his mate, Mick. Mick lives next door, Mick's my mate. Mick and Rex both go to our church. And Rex, as I said, retired teacher. Mick is a builder, but he plays in local brass bands. He's an amazing trumpet player. So Rex said to Mick, Would you come out too? And when would you play him on a trumpet? So anyway, Easter Sunday comes. And uh, Rex and Mick emerge, as I said, neighbours, to their front gates, wondering if anyone was going to turn up. And they were amazed. Literally the whole street, gone to their front gates. They all stood there. As Rex read the account of the resurrection <laughs> from the Bible, and Mick played a hymn on the trumpet. Then when it stopped, I guess no one really knew what was gonna happen next. But someone shouted out, Rex! Say the Lord's Prayer over us! And they were astonished when they all bowed their heads for prayed the Lord's Prayer and a blessing over everyone. It is an unprecedented time and people are searching. And if ever there was a time... To live Romans 1.16, be unashamed of the gospel, it is now. And if ever there was a time we needed to be full of God's spirit, it is now. Because people are searching. But let me tell you what that was. That was a culmination of Rex living full of God's spirit as a follower of Jesus Christ in front of his neighbours for many, many years, so that when he put those notes through that door, The anointing of God met the authenticity of his life. but The Holy Spirit equipped him and blessed him to live on the narrow path. For all of those years, those things collided. They coalesced and came together. And he was able to proclaim the gospel. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Other key things happen to you when you receive the power of God. When you have that Pentecost moment in your life. I remember as a young church planter back in 1996, I was trying to plant a church on a really tough council estate. And um, I had no money, I'd left my job in banking, It it was really, really tough. And I haven't got time to go into all the details of that now. But it was tough. And I was teaching on the edge of a breakdown, I think. Probably a story worth going into more detail at some other point, because i learned a lot from this. But I've become a Christian in a Brethren church. I heard the gospel preached and responded in a little Brethren chapel, the one I mentioned at the beginning, Emerson Park Evangelical Chapel. Well, years later, I was church planting, just following my passion, really, for hurting, broken and lost people. Embedded myself into the heart of this community. I left my banking job, sold my yuppie pad, as we used to call them back then, and moved into a, a, a tough community. And I remember leaning appropriately against a rubbish skip once. And I started to speak to God out of a place of complete brokenness. I didn't really believe that God could speak to you like this. I, I was always a guy like, if you want to hear God, read the Bible. And I still believe that to this day. But I didn't believe that the Holy Spirit could whisper into your heart. Anyway, I said to God, something along the lines of my sermons. They're terrible. I'm no great Bible teacher. <laughs> Some of you might be thinking, well, that's true. <laughs> And this voice, this inner voice, this, you're not audible, but this whisper said deep into my heart. Yeah, you're not very good, actually. I was like, what? Then I said, my marriage is in trouble. I don't think I'm a very good husband. And this little whisper went, yeah, not a very good husband either. And so I said, I'm failing as an evangelist. No one's coming to Christ. Though. And his voice said, yeah, I'm not doing so well at that either, actually. That's so if I spent all my money. I left my job, my career. I've staked everything on this. Because we'd spent everything we had trying to plant this church with no income coming in. Who knew that when you plant a church amongst poor communities, there's no money. This little voice said, yeah, you've got nothing left. So I might be out of ministry. Yeah, you might be out of ministry. And then this whisper in my heart said, but you are my son and I love you. stop me leaning against this rubbish skip and in my rucksack I had a bible it had a concordance in the back and I looked up the word son and it took me to Romans 8.15 which simply says this the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba Father. Verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies in our spirit that we are God's children. This. I believe, is a fundamental part of what it means to be full of God's spirit. We are adopted into his family and we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father, and know that we're children of God, sons and daughters, sons being the heirs. So that's a generic term we can use. We're all adopted into God's family as his children. We know that in our heart. I just thought there might be someone who needs to hear that today. When you gave your life to Christ, you had a Father in heaven who loves you unconditionally. You might think that God's put you on a shelf or written you off. No, that's not how it works. What I felt that day was, win, lose or draw. Even if I lost everything. God in heaven was my father and he made me and he loved me without condition. We all get born expecting unconditional love and the world's come off in our lives in that regard. What parent is truly consistent and can be, we're sinful people. But God's love is perfect and he adopts us into the family of heaven, calls us his own, calls us by name, That loves us without condition. I remember my life changed that day. I walked away from the rubbish skip and I walked into the church plant. We used to meet in the afternoons. For a whole variety of strategic reasons. People played football in the morning. I didn't get out of bed. The only thing on in the afternoon was the Antiques Roadshow. And no one on the estate watched that. So we used to meet then. For coffee and obligatory cakes, donuts. I walked in and there was hardly anyone there. Whereas previously, I would have been crushed by that because it didn't look successful. I just thought, oh, this is good. I'll get home early and watch the Formula One. <laughs> and I suddenly thought, why did I feel peaceful? Because my identity was suddenly not in whether I was seen to be successful or not. Being that God was my father. That's how Rex could put those notes through doors. His security is in his heavenly father. That's how you can be witnesses. Because you are filled with God's spirit. It's how you live on the narrow path of Matthew 7. And not straying off it. How do we do that? It's the power of God working in our lives. How do we live with an opposite spirit as seen in the Beatitudes? How do we live this stuff that we do? See in Romans 12, where we're called to be living sacrifices. And then verse 9, onwards, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Honour one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with people in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice in those who rejoice. Live in harmony. Associate with people in low position. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Feed feed your enemies give them something to drink and eat. How, How do we do that? We do it by being full of God's Holy Spirit That's how we do it without him We're in trouble But when God's Spirit is at work, wow The game changes I remember when we were planting this church on this estate, and I'll finish with this story. Um, <laughs> things were being renewed in my life and in Karen's life. We were now seeking the power of God. And we were trying to live our lives in response to God's love rather than out of duty. That's a big thing. When I, mean, I, I do this because Jesus loves me, Anyway, long story short, we used to keep our front doors open on the estate just to try and build community. One day I was coming downstairs. uh, We'd had a little baby at this time, little Emily, who's uh, 21 now, 22 soon. And um, she was in a car seat with, with Karen. So I came down the st- in the lounge, and as I came down the stairs, there was a bloke standing there, in the door looked like something out of a Bond movie, like a Jaws Bond villain, you know, big hulking bloke, huge guy, huge. Anyway, um, it was there, kind of, kind of fosters extra, whatever it was, in the morning. So I invited him in, as you do... I so I'll come in, mate. Went into my little kitchen. I said, what's your name? And he went, Titch, <laughs> Titch, get excuse me that. I said, well, what do you do, Titch? He said, I'll come to mash you. I'll mash people, I'll come to mash you. Mash me? So I'm like, what's going on? He said, you've been messing with my, with my sister Sue. You've been messing with her head. Now, Sue? recently come to christ and i'll briefly tell you her story in a moment but i said to titch what every good englishman says in a crisis i'll put the kettle on so i turned around clicked the kettle on and i heard a commotion behind me and i turned back in my tiny kitchen and titch was curled up in a fetal position in the corner so, like, beer gone everywhere. I'm like, what's that? So I, I, I called Karen in and to the baby in the car seat, so put it down. And uh, after a few moments, we were able to get Titch to crawl into my little living room. It made him a strong cup of tea and wax some sugar in. Then he said this to me. When you turn your back on me, I went to punch you in the back of the head as hard as possible. The neck, actually, said. it's gonna take you out. But all this power came out of your back and knocked me on the floor. What's that? I just looked at Karen, like, I don't know. That's what you just call a right result. <laughs> this is first in the Bible, actually. In Isaiah 58 it says when you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and the needy, etc. etc. True fasting, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard and you'll call for help and you'll answer. <laughs> you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Wow. Still, when I look back on that moment, it sends chills. It's Sister Sue. She was in desperate trouble, and there is a longer story to this, but basically I'd been doing some door knocking, which I'd never felt comfortable with. Quite shy, actually, in many ways. And um, I was doing some door-to-door stuff. And I knocked on the door of uh, number five, Colville Mews, where we lived all those years ago. And this woman had opened the door Big, aggressive woman held, pull back tight. Big, aggressive woman. I said, what? I said, I'm beachy. I'm like a local vicar, undercover vicar, so I don't wear a dog collar. Ha, ha, ha. I've come to tell you about a church we're starting. She basically said, I don't want somebody who wears a dress for a living to tell me how to live my life. (laughs) Slam the door. She said it a bit more aggressively than that, as you can imagine. And I went, Tottering down the path. But this voice. was living in this new thing. It was whispering to me. The voice of the Holy Spirit. Going, knock on the door again, knock on the door again. Long story short, I knocked on the door again. And she, she said, I told you once, I told you twice. Do you one. So I left. Anyway, I was a bit shaken. Ten days later, whatever. I was walking back down the... Pathway again, past that house and this inner voice said, knock on the door again, knock on the door again, knock on the door again. So I did knock on the door. (laughs) And I will tell you this bit. Um, As I went in, her house was in a, it was bare, house was bare. and She didn't have much. A young kid was rolling a cannabis joint, sitting on the floor in a corner. she offered me a cup of tea. I, mean, I was confused why she'd asked me in. <laughs> oh, she you know, come in, come in, be looking for you, she'd said. Anyway, she passed me a cup of tea and I said, oh, I couldn't have a sugar in there, could I? I'll never forget this, because she looked at me and she went, sugar, that's really bad for you, you know? <laughs> like Your daughter's probably in a joint. <laughs> the sugar police. Anyway, she said this to me. <laughs> She said, I was really angry the day he knocked on my door because um, I was trying to end my life. I had all this alcohol upstairs and pills. And um, he knocked on the door and I opened it. And I was angry. And I said, well, I remember that. She said, I slammed the door and I went, yeah, I remember that. Then she said... Um, I remember when I was a kid, we used to pray. So, as I slammed the door, I said this prayer behind the door, just quietly in my head God, if you're there and you want me to live, send that man back to my house. And as I just literally in a voice saying, knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door again. And I'm shy, and I didn't want to knock on that door that second time. I didn't want to do it. I, I didn't want to cross the pain barrier, but somehow God gave me strength and courage, and I knocked on that door, and she decided not to kill herself. It turned out she'd been a victim of some horrendous assaults and stuff, which I won't go into now, but she ended up giving her life to Jesus and of being a legal debt collector for her brother, who turned up to hurt me, could have killed me. But the power of god took him down to and he gave his life to christ you will receive power when the holy spirit comes power to live on a narrow path power to be witnesses power to be a living sacrifice power to live with an opposite spirit power to overcome your fear there's so much more i could say but i feel those are the things that I want to put before Westminster Chapel today you will receive power but maybe today wherever you are you find a quiet spot and and get on your knees, maybe open your arms up as a gesture that I'm here. It's a God. Fill me with your spirit so that I can live the life I know I ought to live and be the person you've called me to be and be your witness. Fill me with courage, strength and boldness. Fill me with your power and wait for him to touch your life. And I pray that he does. God bless you all.